The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin stocks on track for their worst week since April as J.P. JP Morgan warns of a second-half downturn ahead. But Janet Yellen now on the other side of that bet, shifting her outlook for a U.S. recession before year's end. Then in Washington, a star-studded state dinner as CEOs from Tim Cook to Satya Nadella meet with Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. More meetings are on tap for today. Plus, Europe taking its regulation agenda straight to Silicon Valley, where a major watchdog is set to meet with Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, and more. And then later in the show, a rough day shaping up for Richard Branson and Virgin Galactic ahead of its first commercial launch next week. It is Friday, June the 23rd, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Thank you for starting your day with us. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures with the Nasdaq on track for its worst week since early April. Taking a look at futures right now, solidly in the red. The Nasdaq down the most, almost down three quarters of a percent. The S&P down almost a half a percent. You can see red across the board. The Dow looks like it would open up about 100 points lower. But remember, it is early. We're also checking the bond market. As always, we start with the benchmark 10-year. Looking at a slight decline here when it comes to Treasuries, as investors really try to digest that comments from Fed Chair Jay Powell and other Fed speakers. The 10-year down, just about five basis points. We're also seeing a move to the downside for the two-year, also about five basis points, something we continue to watch. Also in energy, oil on pace for its worst week in about two months right now. Taking a look at WTI, the U.S. benchmark slipping back below 70 bucks a barrel, down one and a half percent this morning. Brent crude at about 73 bucks and some change, down almost one and a half percent. Also a down move for natural gas, down more than one percent. In crypto, though, we're seeing a bit of a resurgence. Bitcoin trying to hold just above that 30,000 mark right now, but down almost a half a percent. Ether back below 2,000, down fractionally this morning. All right, time now for a check on the early action over in Europe. Our Jamana Brissetti is standing by in our London newsroom with much more. Jamana. Morning, Frank. Well, European markets are trading in the negative, in the red, actually, as you can see behind me, with the exception of the Swiss index on this final trading day of the week. Markets are digesting the much weaker than expected PMI data that came out this morning. The flash PMIs came out for both Europe and uh, the UK, coming in lower than expectations and also showing a slowdown in activity from where we were back in May. So a bit of a warning sign as far as activity indicators are concerned. FTSE 100, obviously a focus as well on back of that uh, Bank of England 50 basis point hike yesterday. Some of the home builders continue to get beaten down. So we're down about two two-tenths of a percent for the index as a whole. This despite UK retail sales dates are coming better than expected this morning. Zetradax down six-tenths of a percent. One of the names we're watching there is Siemens Energy. That stock is down more than 30 percent on write-downs at its renewables unit. So a stock we've been watching very, very closely. As for European fixed income, major moves across the European curve today. Ten-year gilt 4.24, about 10 basis 
points lower. But all of the action has been in the 10-year bond now, 2.36. That is about 13 basis points lower on the session. And the rally really began to pick up speed once we got those uh, French and German composite PMI numbers in the morning. And then the Eurozone PMI number came in weaker as well. And so the reaction in fixed income has been uh, for investors to buy into this market. The euro as well, the currency is also dipping about eight-tenths of a percent. Frank. All right, Germana, thank you very much. Germana Brissetti live in our London newsroom. All right, now time for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank, good Friday morning to you. All right, Frank, so 3M says it has agreed to pay more than $10 billion to settle thousands of lawsuits claiming so-called forever chemicals made by the company contaminated drinking water across the United States. Now, that figure could climb up to $12.5 billion. 3M says it will disperse the funds over a 13-year period to cities, towns, and public water suppliers to detect and treat chemicals known as PFAs. The company will take a pre-tax charge in the second quarter for the settlement. Shares of 3M rallying in the extended hours on the news. Meta plans to pull access to news on Facebook and Instagram in Canada once legislation requiring Internet giants to pay publishers for their content goes into effect. Now, the Online News Act was approved by Canada's Senate yesterday, and it was proposed after complaints from the country's media industry, which wants tighter regulation of tech companies to keep them from dominating the online ad market. Meta says news has no economic value to the company and people don't use the platform for news. And shares of Virgin Galactic are coming back down to earth. After the space tourism company says it's seeking to raise $400 million. Now, this follows the completion of a previous $300 million fundraising. Virgin Galactic says the money will go towards improving its fleet. The stock is still up more than 12 percent this week after announcing plans for its first commercial flight scheduled for next Thursday, Frank. Yeah, shares down almost 18 percent mm-hmm. this morning. Yep. A rough day for the stock yeah. and the company. Silvano, we'll see you later on the show. You got it, Frank. All right. Turning back to the markets. Treasury Secretary Jenny Yellen says the risk of a U.S. recession are easing because of the resilient job market and cooling inflation. But she says there probably needs to be a slowdown in consumer spending in order to get inflation completely under control. Let's bring in Mark Hayfley, chief investment officer at UBS Global Wealth Management. Mark, great to see you as always. Thank you. All right. So agree with Janet Yellen. The odds of a U.S. recession are lower. And how does that shape your view of the second half of the year for the markets? Well, there's no question that the consumer has remained much stronger uh, than many people anticipated over the course of this year, and that that will persist into the second half. Uh, They've done so through a variety of things. I think, uh, you know, work from home uh, has put some extra cash in people's pockets that they're spending, but they've also gone out on credit cards. uh, And we are seeing personal bankruptcies and delinquencies rising a bit. So that's something to watch. But, you know, play for the next 5% upside in the stock market here or 5% in bonds, I think we would tilt towards the bond side. Because as we saw yesterday and today in Europe, you can get surprises in inflation, you can get surprises in central bank response, and not that strong economic growth. Yeah, I think a lot of people were also surprised by some other action in the market this year. Uh, The AI trade, we here at CNBC, we call it the Magnificent Seven. I'm talking NVIDIA, Alphabet, Amazon. You call it the Surging Seven. So I want to ask you, you talk about a 5% possible upside in the market. Are these stocks, are they going to continue to power the market? Do you believe this is a bubble? Is this a FOMO trade or is this something else more substantial? 
Well, it can be all. I guess it could be all of those things. Certainly, there is well, some. It can't FOMO be all there. of them. <laughs> I think that uh, we're not going to. We're not playing for that upside there. I mean, the the valuations that Nvidia trades at now, for example, are. Uh, we think it's stretched. All the all the gains, eighty percent of the gains in the S and P five hundred have come from those stocks, and so we would diversify away from that. Uh, even the four hundred ninety three uh, other stocks in the S and P five hundred are trading at about a fifteen times valuation, but we would go right. further afield, probably look at emerging markets, which traded a substantial discount. So just to be clear, Nvidia is trading at fifty six times forward earnings. You're saying. That's a little stretch right now. But I want to get back to that surging seven, magnificent seven, whichever one you want to call them. Is there one that you think is the best pick to have more upside for the rest of the year? Because I think a lot of people want to hold on to it. But agree with you. The valuations are a little bit high. Well, I, we're uh, you know, we've got over three trillion in assets. So I don't spend a lot of time on individual stocks, I'm more on the asset allocation side. And that's why we're saying start to shift your allocations towards uh, towards the emerging market stocks for better valuations. Okay, when we're talking emerging market stocks, exactly what are you talking about? We're also seeing uh, Chinese equities surge despite the fact that the slowdown's going slower than many people expected. Well, I mean, I think that start, you know, start with the broad index and then from there I think China is an area where we're very interested. Now, many of our US clients uh, have really stopped allocating to China. But that's not necessarily the case for the rest of the world. We're looking for more of a commitment uh, from the Chinese government to not massively ramp up stimulus, but to do some more because they recognize uh, that they need to see some economic growth in the second half of the year. And so we see an opportunity there because the valuations are uh, very attractive. So if we see more Chinese stimulus, you're saying that would be the time to start buying and, and going into Chinese equities? Well, I think it's I think it's already started to a degree. They've started right. to loosen up some of the requirements. So it's but more it's makes a trade it more that, attractive. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Mark Hafeley from UBS Wealth Management. We got to leave the conversation there. Thank you. Great to see you. All right. A lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, while my next guest says Europe's big tech regulatory ramp up, it could force ChatGPT and the other AI players to abandon the continent entirely. Plus, speaking of AI, hear from the CEO of one major player and his outlook for what's become a white-hot and ultra-competitive sector, a Worldwide Exchange exclusive with the CEO of MongoDB. And then later, what's on tap for Narendra Modi in D.C. today after last night's Silicon Valley star-studded state dinner. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 
Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. The calls for regulation of big tech and artificial intelligence are growing as more countries sound the alarm over digital safety, data protection, and the fundamental rights of users. Today, investor attention turns to San Francisco, where Thierry Breton, European Commissioner for Internal Market, will be there for his first on-field mission as a regulator under the Digital Services Act. The commissioner is expected to meet with Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg, and OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, as well as NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong, ahead of the August deadline for compliance with some sweeping new reforms for tech companies operating in Europe. And it's not just Commissioner Breton hoping to strengthen the regulatory dialogue with Silicon Valley executives. Ireland Data Protection Commissioner Helen Dixon and European Commissioner for Competition Marguerite Vestier have joined Worldwide Exchange in recent weeks with a very similar message. There's a lot of concern. I think there's recognition that the general data protection regulation was never going to be the start and finish of regulating platforms. And now there are more specific laws looking to target more specific risks like the risks that may arise in certain implementations of of artificial intelligence. The most important strategic choice is not to regulate technology as such, uh, but to regulate the use of technology and only to regulate when something fundamental is at stake. All right, let's talk much more about this with Cyrus Mayawala, Global Data Head of Investment Research. Cyrus, it is uh, good to see you and good morning. Hi, Frank. Good to have be on your show. All right, so a lot to unpack here with the commissioner visiting. So he has the ability under the Digital Markets Act to regulate big tech and potentially fine big tech companies, also potentially has the ability to regulate artificial intelligence with the EU AI Act. That's still in, in draft form right now. So those are things that he could do or potentially could do. What do you believe he actually wants to achieve with this visit? I think it's it's first it's important to state the obvious, which is there's no other industry uh, where regulation is such a mess as it is in tech. So, you know, where else would you see misinformation, ethical concerns, copyright infringement, online fraud, obstruction of justice and all these kind of issues uh, totally going unchecked by the regulators? So I think what Thierry Breton is, is trying to do is trying to warn big tech that when enforcement of the Digital Services Act and the Digital Market Act comes in at the end of August, he means business uh, and he's serious. All right. So when you say that he means business, what kind of business does he mean? Does that mean fines are coming? Does that mean possibly forcing them to change how they do their business or maybe even pull out of Europe? I think he's got three weapons uh, uh, that, that he can potentially use. The first is the Digital Services Act, and that's all about asking big tech or requesting or obliging, legally obliging big tech to uh, moderate their content, whether that's uh, illegal content, online hate speech, speech or, or disinformation. And uh, that applies to, you know, over 10 big tech companies with over 45 million users in the U.S., uh, uh, in Europe. The second is the Digital Markets Act which applies really to digital uh, gatekeepers, and that's basically okay. big tech, the people who own the, the AI systems, and he can find them, them as well when, these enforcement, uh, when, when enforcement comes in in August. And then the third thing is the EU AI Act, right. which is, isn't coming in at all uh, for another, another two or three years, so right. 2025, so 2026. So, so basically this is, hey, listen, I'm watching. Uh, it's more like a warning, I'm watching you. Um, we have to see how things develop there. Um, it's not lost on a lot of people that this, these meetings are happen here in, happening here in the United States. And generally, it's seen the United States is well behind Europe when it comes to regulation. What could this possibly mean for U.S. regulation down the line? The things that we see come out of this meeting, how do you think U.S. lawmakers will, will view them and possibly act on them? 
I think what you see, you know, yesterday with uh, Lena Khan, chair of the FTC, what she's doing uh, with Amazon, I think the, the U.S. regulators now uh, under a democratic regime are broadly on the same progressive lines as the European regulators. But there's some key differences in the U.S. The, the, the primary concern for regulators is that they must maintain tech supremacy uh, for the U.S. because China is a big uh, economic and military uh, competitor. But however, uh, and they're always behind on regulation, partly to encourage tech in innovation. So in AI regulation, they've got nothing at all. By contrast, the EU, their main uh, concern for regulation is to protect their consumer. The EU doesn't really have a big tech sector and they want to encourage uh, startups, which means uh, blocking uh, monopolies from U.S. big tech. Uh, and they are introducing the AI Act uh, in the EU okay. in 2025, and that will be the first big thing. And it's important to also say what's happening in China, because China is the big tech competitor for the U U.S., not 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 the EU. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry. their primary concern is really to protect the future of the Communist Party and their cybersecurity laws effectively uh, get give give the government control of their tech sector. All right. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but which of these U.S. tech giants do you see potentially having the biggest trouble with these EU regulations? I think uh, initially, uh, initially for these for the enforcement regime that's coming in in August, social media platforms like Google, Meta, uh, TikTok from China, you know, they're going to be they're going to have to pass stress tests. We don't know if, uh, if Twitter's passed his, his stress test and they're going to have to moderate content. And it's proven to be very, very difficult in the past. So they'll lobby hard, but it just depends how tough Thierry Breton wants to be. In the medium term, the AI leaders, Microsoft, Google, OpenAI and other companies, you know, they're uh, going to have to show that uh, they are not uh, monopolizing their position as digital gatekeepers. They have a lot of data. They have high compute power uh, and, and they might be forced in a way to sign a voluntary AI pact with Thierry Britton to show yeah. that they're that they're serious. All right, Cyrus, Mayor Wall, we've got to leave the conversation there. Thank you again for being here and for your insight. All right, ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, turbine troubles for one of Europe's biggest energy players, sending shares of one company sinking in overseas trading. We have all the details in this morning's Global Briefing when Worldwide Exchange returns. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Welcome back. Shows of MongoDB looking to extend yesterday's impressive gains after announcing a new partnership with Google Cloud at, at its developers conference. They'll help developers build artificial intelligence powered apps. The database as a service company has been a big AI beneficiary with shares nearly doubling year to date. Yesterday's announcement expected to boost demand for its flagship product Atlas as the AI boom continues. I sat down with CEO Dave Idicharia at the MongoDB developer conference and asked how a hawkish Fed and rising rates could impact the AI boom and if it's a bubble or a real change in tech. I think like many other technology trends, people tend to overestimate the impact in the short term and underestimate the impact in the long term. Clearly there's a lot of noise about AI since uh, OpenAI launched ChatGPT in the, in the fall of last year. Uh, we're seeing a lot of customer interest in terms of um, AI, trying to figure out how they can use AI to you know, introduce new products to seize new opportunities or respond to new threats to drive more efficiency and automation in their business. But it's definitely early days. And we just made an announcement today where we introduced Atlas Vector Search. And let me explain why that's important. 
when you think about AI, AI is all about building smarter and more intelligent applications, right? And one of the key elements of AI is what's called semantic search. Can I discern what the real intent or meaning is of that query? And semantic search means like, you know, it doesn't have, it's not like keyword or text search, we're just searching on a particular set of terms. It's trying, really trying to understand the essence of your, the intent of your question. And that's where uh, semantic search comes in, which is represented by vectors. So there's a lot of companies now introducing vector databases, but the problem is that there's another point tool that customers need to manage and something adding more cost and complexity to the data architecture. So you have a lot of large enterprise customers, including Verizon, Intuit, Toyota as well. What did they say to you about AI and their data needs? Um, they're all very, very focused on AI. Again, it really comes down to a few buckets. One is, can, what can I use with AI to introduce new products or capabilities for my customers? Two, how can I drive more efficiency, whether it's customer support, whether it's um, 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 getting my teams to be able to work more productively, whether it's like, um, you know, uh, how my teams collaborate, they're all looking in terms of um, leveraging AI to do that. And then the third area is really all about like um, servicing and, and, and providing better experiences also for their partners as, as part of the larger ecosystem. So we see, um, again, I would say it's early days, there's a lot of kicking the tires, a lot of prototyping, a lot of testing um, um, going on, but, um, but it's a very exciting space. And uh, frankly, just to put things in perspective, we had 200 AI companies launch on Atlas in Q1. And roughly, we, we see about 1,500 companies today. I also want to ask you about China. So you get about 11% of your revenues from Asia, the majority of that from China. You also have partnerships with Alibaba Cloud, Tencent Cloud. Give us a sense of the demand coming out of China. We've seen a lot of big banks actually reduce their GDP forecast for China in recent days, including Citi, Goldman Sachs. Um, those revisions pretty sharply to the downside. What are you hearing from your, your Chinese customers and also demand for not only your services, but just for tech spending in general? So Mong uh, MongoDB is incredibly popular in China. And so in fact, when we look at the downloads we see of our platform, China's usually in the top one or two countries in terms of software downloads. Obviously China has tons of developers. Um, so I would say for Asia, China and India, we also see a lot of business in Southeast Asia, as well as like places like Korea and Taiwan. Um, but I would say um, our business, our relationship with Alibaba started in 2019. That business has grown 8x in the four years. And that's why we announced a new deal in our Q1 earnings call that uh, was a pretty significant expansion of that relationship. Um, we also were investing more people in China, so we're hiring more capacity because the demand is so high. And we see a lot of uh, multi, uh, Chinese companies who want to um, do business outside of China you know, leveraging MongoDB, because the benefit they get is they can run MongoDB on Alibaba, they can run MongoDB on AWS, Google, and GCP as well. So, it's, so they, get, they love that optionality where they can really run MongoDB anywhere. So again, shares of MongoDB higher in the pre-market. CEO David Acharya tells me the company's using its world tour where it does developer conferences like that one in emerging markets um, to really boost demand for its company, uh, where they're seeing in international markets a higher level of demand for app developer tools as developers there want to ramp up their capabilities. All right, let's get a check of this morning's morning headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with the very latest. Francis. Hi, Frank. Good morning. We begin with a tragic conclusion to the story that has gripped the world since Sunday. The search for that submersible carrying five people to the wreckage of the Titanic. The Coast Guard confirms that debris discovered in the search area was consistent with a, quote, catastrophic implosion. 
The ship's passengers are all believed to be dead, among them a father and his teenage son. Interstate 95 in Philadelphia will reopen today at noon, the governor's office says. It's happening less than two weeks after a tanker truck explosion caused a section of the highway to collapse. Governor Josh Shapiro praised the round-the-clock work of repair crews for finishing the job far ahead of schedule. The San Antonio Spurs found their franchise player at last night's NBA draft, taking France's Victor Wembanyama with the first overall pick. Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson went second and third. Amen Asar Thompson became the first brothers to be drafted in the top five of the same draft in modern NBA history. If you're not really familiar with the goings-on of NBA, Frank, those are the names that we're going to know all too well, especially Wembanyama. At first, we were like, how do you pronounce his name? <laughs> Already, we know. Yeah, I'm a huge NBA fan, Francis. A lot of people thinking he's going to be the second coming of Tim Duncan. We'll have to wait and see. All right, Francis Rivera. I know you're just saying, like, who's Tim Duncan? You're looking at me like you're not a big NBA fan. <laughs> but listen, I'm going to know Victor Wembanyama and, you know, that kid out of France and the NBA and shaking things up the way he's going to. So he's the one to watch. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Francis Rivera live in New York. Thank you very much. All right, straight ahead, a new warning from J.P. Morgan of what could be a rough second half for stocks. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Plus a programming note, don't miss the CNBC documentary, The Making of a Meme King. Taking an in-depth look at the mysterious and sometimes controversial entrepreneur-turned-activist investor, Ryan Cohen. Catch it tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. And we're back in a moment. Stay with us. Hey, it's right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area, and we are just getting started here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. The stock slide set to continue with the S&P and the Nasdaq looking to snap their multi-week win streaks. Futures are pointing lower. President Biden and India's prime minister touting a new era for relations between the two countries following a flurry of deals to strengthen ties. We're live in Washington with the very latest. And Ford reportedly preparing to roll out another round of layoffs as the auto giant looks to further kick its EV ambitions into high gear. It is Friday, June the 23rd. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Thank you for starting your day with us. Let's pick up the half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures. As we mentioned earlier, right across the board, the Dow actually taking a slight dip to the downside. It would open up about 100 points lower. The Nasdaq more than a half a percent lower in the pre-market. The Nasdaq on track for its worst week since early April, set to break an eight-week win streak. The S&P and the Dow both looking to snap win streaks as well. Five and three-week win streaks there. We're looking at the charts right here. Been a bit of a choppy week for the markets overall. Okay, turning to the bond market, we are seeing yields decline just a bit in the bond market as investors really try to digest what we've heard from Jerome Powell and other Fed speakers. Janet Yellen actually uh, also speaking could impact the bond market. But right now we're seeing the 10-year falling about five basis points from where it was just a couple days ago. Same story for the two-year, but just in general, seeing a lot of movement in the bond market. We also want to talk energy, specifically oil. Let's begin with WTI, the U.S. benchmark, back below 70 bucks a barrel down more than one and a half percent, almost two percent right now at 68 bucks a barrel. Brent crude at almost 73 bucks a barrel, down more than one and a half percent. Same type of action there for the natural gas market. WTI and Brent, they're on pace for their worst weekly performance in, in just about two months. OK, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Silvana Hanau is back with those. Silvana. Hey, Frank, I'm back. And Ford is reportedly preparing a new round of layoffs here in the U.S., 
According to the Wall Street Journal, the cuts, which could come as early as next week, will be mostly focused on salaried workers. Now, Ford announced the reduction of 3,000 salaried and contract jobs in North America and India back in August. The automaker is looking to slash costs as it spends heavily on its shift to electric vehicles. U.S. regulators are reportedly looking at statements by India's Adani Group to its investors. According to Bloomberg, the U.S. attorney's office in Brooklyn has reached out to investors with large holdings in the conglomerate in in recent months. Now, the report adds that the SEC has a similar probe underway and that officials are looking at the representations that Adani made to its American investors following short seller Hindenburg's report. And canopy growth revealing it is the focus of an SEC probe. The company revealing that un- that uncovered misstatements related to sales in its biosteel sports drink segment. Now, this while conducting a review, adding that it also found material weaknesses in its financial reporting. Protocols Canopy says it's cooperating with regulators, Frank. Oh, yeah, certainly something to watch. Uh, canopy growth down more than 5%. A lot of turbulence, we're going to call it, in the cannabis industry. Stocks yes. pretty much at lows. All right, yep. Silvana, we're going to see Oop, you again later on the show. We're going to talk later, about Frank. a whole bunch of other things. All right, thank you. All right, turning now to D.C., Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi says to continue his full-court press to attract U.S. businesses to his country after last night's state dinner with President Biden. The CEOs of Apple, Google, and Microsoft all in attendance for the event coming after a series of deals announced by the president and the prime minister aimed at countering China's global influence. Arsima Modi is live in Washington with more on the prime minister's visit and what's on tap today. Seema, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, two major semiconductor players, Micron and Applied Materials, announcing plans to set up factories and invest in jobs in India. President Biden said chips is an area both countries plan to work together. We are doubling down on our cooperation to secure our semiconductor, our semiconductor supply chains, advancing open RAN telecommunications networks, and growing our major defense partnership. Now, experts remain cautious. India still faces major hurdles in producing semiconductors due to a lack of reliable electric power and access to clean water. But even with these issues, corporate America sees great potential. The CEOs of some of the biggest U.S. companies, Apple, Google, Walmart, to name a few, attended last night's glitzy state dinner to rub shoulders with Modi and some of the most powerful Indian CEOs like billionaire Bakesh Ambani. In a few hours, a select group of technology CEOs, including Google's Sundar Pichai, will meet with Prime Minister Modi, Secretary Raimondo, and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan to talk about not just the opportunities, but the challenges they're also facing on the ground in India. Frank. So, Seema, a lot of talk about opportunities here, and I've been following some of your reporting and others reporting. There are also some questions about regulation in India and some issues dealing with the government at the federal level and the local level. Was there any discussion about that? No, it's a great point, Frank. Uh, The Indian government has been weighing one bill, uh, one option, which would increase government oversight over data and privacy. That, of course, uh, is ruffling the feathers of big tech companies like Google and Microsoft and Meta that see India as a growth opportunity. That bill has not been passed in India, but if it does, it could make U.S. companies and their ability to expand in India uh, sort of an uphill battle. So that will be likely one agenda item when the tech CEOs meet Modi this morning, Frank. All right, our Seema Modi, live in D.C. Seema, thank you very much. All right, time now for the results of CNBC's latest Technology Executive Council survey. They're in 
And it's all about AI. We began with nearly half of TEC members in our survey saying that artificial intelligence, that will be the top spending area for their company over the next 12 months, with cloud computing and Internet of Things in the top three as the AI boom looks like it will continue to really dominate the conversation in tech. Now, this TEC first half survey, it was conducted between May 15th and June the 20th. And during that time, you can see right here, the Nasdaq 100, it doubled the broader market, rising 12 percent. Also, the Fed took a hawkish pause, signaling possibly two more hikes in the future. So it was really in this environment. 58% of TEC members said artificial intelligence was critically important to their business strategy in the next year. But somewhat surprisingly, that answer was second to cloud computing, with 63% of respondents saying uh, that answer. Voters could, of course, pick multiple critically important areas. Third place here, machine learning. 53 of respondents saying it is also critically important. So 63% of respondents said their AI spend was actually accelerating when asked how their company is investing in AI. 37% said they're evaluating, but cautious. Important to note, 0% said that they're not investing. Our survey is showing just how widespread this AI buzz really is. Nearly half also said they have an optimistic view on AI, believing it's a job creator. When the, more than a quarter say it will lead to a net loss in jobs, another quarter saying it's just a bit too soon to tell. All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, a new twist in the Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk cage match and potentially moving closer to reality. And look at that in the morning's other top trending stories when Worldwide Exchange returns. It's quite the story. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Taking a look at the futures right now, pretty much at their lows right now. It looks like the Dow would open up about 100 points lower. The Nasdaq more than a half a percent lower, the hardest hit. All right, time now for your morning call sheet where we check on a few of this morning's biggest upgrades and downgrades by firms you know and stocks that you likely own. We begin with KeyBank raising its price target on Chipotle. From just over 2000 to 2300 per share, it says it sees sustained traffic momentum, pricing power, and improving flow-through as inflation on avocados and chickens remains tame, looking at shares of Chipotle unchanged now in the pre-market. Wells Fargo downgrading Under Armour's rating from overweight to equal weight, also lowering its price target from $12 to $8 per share. Big cut there. It says the stock will likely be range bound for the next six to 12 months, thanks in part to elevated inventory and a recent C-suite reshuffling. Shares of Under Armour down more than 3% in the pre-market. And Morgan Stanley raising its rating on Evotech from equal weight to overweight. It says the company is best placed in Europe to extract future value from the AI revolution in drug development. Looking shares of that company up almost 3% in the pre-market. All right, let's get a check on the early trade over in Europe and some of the headlines dominating conversations on trading desks all around the world. Our Germana Brissetti is standing by in our London newsroom with your global briefing. Germana. Hi again, Frank. Well, a couple of names that we're watching here in Europe, starting with GSK in the pharma sector. They have reached a settlement over the Zantac heartburn medication in the U.S. and claims that it caused cancer. The settlement, which is confidential, means the case won't have to go to trial next month and will now be dismissed. But perhaps the biggest mover in Europe today is Siemens Energy, down almost 33% after withdrawing their profit guidance for the full year after bigger-than-expected quality issues at the wind turbine unit, Siemens Gamesa. The energy giant says it conducted a review of the business and found production problems that could cost the company more than one billion euros. Very, very stark reaction there. And then finally, moving over to Italy, Eni is in focus. The Italian oil major and its Norwegian unit, VAR, have agreed to buy Neptune Energy for 4.9 billion euros. The deal is expected to be completed at the beginning of next year and will be one of the largest oil and gas deals in Europe over the last decade. Frank. 
All right, Germana, thank you very much. Germana Bersetti live in our London newsroom. All right, time now for this morning's top trending stories for that. We send it back over to Silvana Hanau. Silvana, what do you got for us? All right, Frank, so let's, let, let's start because AI strikes again. Now, this time, it's a U.S. judge imposing sanctions on two New York lawyers who submitted a legal brief to the court, one that included six fictitious case citations generated by chat gpt now the two attorneys now have to pay a five thousand dollar fine but maintain it was simply a good faith mistake and if you got engaged yesterday and love onion rings well you may be in for a treat this comes courtesy of burger chain BurgerFi, telling customers to submit visual proof of an engagement from june 22nd or also known as national onion ring day on instagram or facebook with the hashtag love onion rings winners will receive one year's worth of rings and the Zuckerberg Musk cage match moving a few steps closer to reality with the Tesla CEO hinting he may want to recruit Joe Rogan to referee the Vegas bound billionaire bout. Now, adding fuel to the fire, UFC CEO Dana White tells TMZ he's actually been texting with the two CEOs, adding they are, quote, deadly serious about the fight and forget strictly fit. fit Fistyhoff Musk also <laughs> tweeting he would be in favor of going, quote, full MMA, Frank. How about that? <laughs> I mean, Two billionaires <laughs> fighting in an MMA. It doesn't even make sense. I, I want to I bounce something off you. So DraftKings says Mark Zuckerberg's the favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm not a gambler. Are you a gambler? I'm not a gambler. Okay. You'd have to bet $160 to win $100 on the Meta CEO. Um, but Bavada, another book, has Musk as the favorite because yes. he's literally a heavyweight. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. But then we know that Zuckerberg has this, uh, you know, he's into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and right. he apparently works out. So, and Musk doesn't sleep. <laughs> or at least he claims not to sleep. So I feel like the odds might be um, against him when, there. When you read what's in here from DraftKings, they said Zuckerberg's 12 years younger. Right. He's also done a challenge where he did 100 pull-ups, 200 press-ups, and 300 squats before running another mile wearing a nine-kilogram vest. Like, the fact that we're getting this into it is <laughs> I insane. Know. I know. And, I mean, listen, they're going back and forth about it. So it seems that we are pretty getting close to this yeah. being a real thing. All right. I'm going to call this news you can't use. Silvana <laughs> Hanau, it is great to see you. Good to see you, Frank. I don't even know what else to say. Silvana, thank you. <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word that every investor needs to know today, stocks set to close out a rocky week of, tra- week of trading, the undervalued areas of the market. Your next guest says... He is finding opportunities in. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. And as we head to break, June is Pride Month, and CNBC is celebrating all month long and sharing stories of corporate leaders with you. Here is Dow Chemical Chairman and CEO Jim Fitterlin. Supporting Pride is one way that we can show the LGBTQ plus community that we all accept and respect each other for our differences, whatever those differences may happen to be. Supporting Pride gives hope and reassurance that each of us can be our best because we are accepted as who we are, our true and whole selves. It really comes down to simply treating others how we want to be treated ourselves, with empathy, understanding, and compassion. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Live shots this morning from all around the world. We're talking London, Hong Kong, New York, and Washington. A lot of activity in Washington. Indian Prime Minister Modi, they are meeting with business leaders. We'll be talking a lot more about that throughout the day here on CNBC. 
All right, time now for what we like to call your WEX wrap-up, six stories you need to know before the opening bell. We begin with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying the risk of a U.S. recession, it's easing because of the resilient job market and cooling inflation, adding there probably needs to be a consumer slowdown in spending in order to get inflation completely under control. 3M agreeing to pay up to $12.5 billion to settle thousands of lawsuits that its so-called forever chemicals contaminated drinking water supplies all around the U.S. Looking at shares of 3M, this morning actually up 3%. The NBA NBA says Qatar's sovereign wealth fund has offered to buy a minority stake in monumental sports and entertainment, the parent company of the Washington Wizards and other D.C. area sports teams. According to sources, the fund offered to buy a roughly 5% stake in monumental as part of a roughly $4 billion deal. Exchange operator Nasdaq says it raised $4.25 billion in a bond to help fund its $10.5 billion deal for financial risk software provider Adenza. According to reports, the group's five-part investment-grade debt sale spans maturities ranging from two years to 40 years. And shares of Virgin Galactic, they are plunging in the pre-market after raising $300 million via a quote at the market offering of common stock. Virgin adds it aims to raise an additional $400 million through another stock offering ahead of its first commercial space flight next week. Shares of Virgin down almost 18% in the pre-market. And Meta Platforms plans to end access to news on Facebook and Instagram in Canada once new rules protecting publisher profits goes into effect, which could be as soon as today. All right, gearing up for the trading day ahead, two pieces of economic data to watch this morning with the release of Flash Manufacturing PMI and Flash Services PMI for June. We get earnings from CarMax before the bell and two Fed speeches to watch today with Atlanta Central Bank President Raphael Bostic and Cleveland Bank President Loretta Mester both speaking. And Congress leaves D.C. today for their Independence Day holiday break until July the 10th. As we prepare for the final trading day of this shortened week, the S&P and the Nasdaq, they are poised to snap five and eight week win streaks. Speaking with CNBC, J.P. Morgan chief equity macro strategist Dubraco Lacos warning that thanks to restrictive policy, the risk reward for stocks in the second half of the year, it's starting to look unattractive. And I think growth, uh, big picture, maybe with the exception of like, you know, certain pockets like tech, which are very important and AI, I think continues to decelerate. And I think the market is now at a point where it's kind of pricing in a fairly rosy picture. And so I, I, I just think that the backdrop is, 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 is quite challenged as we go into the second half. All right. For more on the trading day ahead, let's bring in Greg Sarian, founder and CEO of 213 Strategic Partners. Greg, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Thank you for having me back. All right. So what do you think about those comments? Do you see a pullback coming in the second half of the year? Do you see some problems when it comes to stocks? And if so, where do you see those issues or possibly opportunities if you don't agree? Sure. I think it's important for investors to consider that markets are gaining more clarity. For sure, given the the robust returns we've seen the last four to six weeks, we could see a dip. But it's important for investors to know that it's a forward-looking indicator. Over the last month, we've seen the debt split now remove further down the road. We've gotten clarity the Fed has one, maybe two more hikes in it. And we're starting to see the inflation data points just continue to flatten and soften. So our view is the next six to 12 months, the markets are moving not on what they see today, but what they expect to be a rosier economic earnings picture over the next 12, 18 months. All right. You're sounding pretty rosy yourself, Greg. So with that in mind, what is your WEX word of the day? Fundamentals. It's important in this backdrop to get back to basics. A few things we're encouraging clients to do. Number one, review your allocation. We're seeing a lot of portfolios, Frank, that are heavy in cash, underweight stocks, but that which is in stocks is very heavy in technology. 
we believe it's time right now to broaden out your equity exposure, looking at areas like healthcare, biotechnology, international investments. We're also encouraging clients not to not to try to time this market. People are waiting for a big correction to go back in. That could be a mistake. We're advocates of good old-fashioned dollar-cost averaging, money your mark for markets, dripping in over three to six months, but do not try to time that correction. And then lastly, take advantage of this lift to do your year-end planning. There's no magic with doing your required distributions, raising cash, okay. gifting. Do it now. So, I, Greg, I got to push back a bit. You have this rosy picture. We're looking at futures just a short time ago. We're seeing the Nasdaq down more than a half a percent, the S&P down a half a percent. The Dow looks like it'll open up 100 points lower, at least at this point. And your pick is health care. Negative year to date. Why are you seeing this big upside for healthcare? You gave us a pick here. The Eventide Healthcare and Life, Life Sciences Fund, ticker ETIHX. Do you believe this is going to see a big upside in the second half of the year? And what's the catalyst? Yeah, we do. We do, Frank. And it's more because of our of our focus on biotechnology. I think that's going to be the catalyst. Look at demographics. The, the number of people over age 80 is going to triple in the world by 2050. Secondly, large pharma, Frank, has a real problem with patent clips over the next three years, two years. And we think there's a catalyst there for M&A activity in emerging biotech companies. So you put money to work in this ETF today? This is what you would do today? That's a mutual fund. And yes, we are dripping. We are adding to that uh, on a regular basis. Okay. The hawkish Fed, how is that also shaping your outlook for investments today? Because, again, we're on on pace for a down week in the markets. It seems like the markets finally come to realization that there might be another price hike or, excuse me, rate hike. Absolutely. But I also believe the market's pricing in, Frank, that the Fed Look at what the Fed has done over the last 15 months. They go from 0.25 to 5.25, and the, the, the collateral damage has occurred. I think the market's sensing one, maybe two more hikes, and then we see the Fed likely stable for, for six to nine months. That period historically from the last hike to the first cut has historically been good for markets. That's our expectation, and we see the Fed cutting rates by this time next year. All right. So you're saying the Fed cuts rates, but we're also seeing some tightening going on in international markets. The other pick, uh, an international dividend ETF, ticker DWX. What gives you confidence to put money in that today as we continue to see tightening around the world? Yeah, no, good. Good point. So a couple of things, Frank. Number one, we believe the dollar peaked earlier this year. and We're going to continue to see the dollar stable, if not weakened, against foreign currencies. Secondly, we're seeing supply chain way open and a lot of foreign goods coming into the U.S., that's a tailwind to okay. foreign equities. And, and despite the tragic war in Europe, macro conditions in emerging Europe, but also emerging Asia, not China per se, but emerging Asia, okay. still robust, low debt levels. We like that. Part. All right. Greg Sarian, great to see you. Thanks for the insight. One quick look at the futures right now. In the red across the board, the Nasdaq, the hardest hit, down more than a half a percent. The Dow actually easing from its lows, now looking like it only opened up about 98 points lower. It was more than 100 just a short time ago. And that's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We've got Squawk Box coming up next. Enjoy your weekend. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC.
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.